Welcome everyone to episode five of Build Talk. Now this is also the first episode designed specifically as an audio podcast. So here's what that means. From this point on, content will it'll be more timely. The topics, they'll be more varied, and the volume, just a little bit louder. Now whatever the subject matter is, I'll tell it like it is from my perspective. And as always, in my opinion. Each new episode will cover multiple topics ranging from current events to sports, entertainment, and the occasional business-related conversation. Your feedback and content suggestions are as welcome now as they've ever been, so please keep it coming. Now, a new segment, Ask Bill, will be introduced, and it'll focus on a question submitted by a listener or follower of the show. I'm really looking forward to that, so keep those questions coming as well. We're going to kick things off this week with, well, this is a topic that, um, it's a difficult one for a lot of people. And it's not just Pennsylvania, but I'm, I'm going to focus on the shutdown or extended shutdown of businesses in Pennsylvania. And I know that the same thing is going on in many other states. I absolutely know, understand, and respect that. Now, first, uh, here are some things that I don't want to do as a result of discussing my thoughts on this subject. I'm not going to get into the constitutionality of the issue. I don't want to be in any way, any way, disrespectful to those who've lost loved ones, to this nasty, nasty virus. I'm not going to take a political stance on the issue. Now, here's what I am going to do. I'm going to talk about what I believe needs to be done. I'm going to talk about what's going to happen if the things that need to be done aren't done and aren't done immediately, if not sooner. If you're going to tell businesses or business owners that they must close their business. You have to compensate them, all of them, for the revenue loss due to a mandate they have no control over. I wanna repeat that. If you're going to shut them down, if a government entity is going to shut down or force business owners to shut down due to no fault of their own, they must be compensated. They have no control over the mandate. And government should not have control over which businesses survive and which businesses don't. You also have to compensate the employees impacted by that mandate. Businesses have had to let employees go and we are approaching unemployment numbers that will surpass the Great Depression. And you can't expect a business owner to continue paying expenses out the back door when you've put a padlock on their front door and have eliminated the ability for them to bring revenue in. The math doesn't work. The morality of it doesn't work. Actually, it doesn't work in any way possible, feasible. No way, no shape, no how. It doesn't work. Now, if you can afford to use tax dollars to continue paying yourself as an elected official, I think you can use those tax dollars to pay the people you've put out of business or out of work. Now, will it cost a lot of money? Of course it will. But consider this. Has any elected official had the courage to tell his or her constituents how much it will cost everyone in their city, their town, or state when millions of businesses never reopen and never again pay the 
billions in tax dollars they've paid in the past. Now, if these elected officials say they can't predict what the cost will be, why not use the same worst-case scenario mathematical models, and that's in air quotes, worst-case scenario mathematical models, why not use the same ones they've been using to project the impact of the virus itself? I'd be willing to bet that the trillions lost in future tax revenue, and I said trillions with a T, the trillions lost in future tax revenue for decades, that'll pale in comparison to the trillions it would cost to indemnify business owners and employees for a 10 to 12 week period or thereabouts. Make them whole. You shut them down, make them whole, financially whole. Now here's another issue with this whole situation. And it's becoming more evident now our need to be able to do this. What we need to be able to do is we need to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. We have to balance physical and mental health with the economic and financial health of our country and all of the citizens in the country. There doesn't have to be a false choice, which I hear and see far too often. This false choice between people dying from the virus because we open or reopen up too soon or people going bankrupt because we open or reopen too late. Why can't we work together to find a way to do both? Why can't we stop wasting time calling each other names and start using our minds to come up with creative ideas instead of creative names to call each other? If an individual's concerned for his or her health or the health of a loved one, we have to figure out a way to work around that, and we have to figure out a way to respect that. If an individual, on the other hand, wants to open his or her business to keep it alive, we have to figure out a way to make that work. And what I just talked about a minute ago would go a long way in making that happen. For whatever the time frame is that the government is mandating a business be shut down and employees be out of work, they need to be compensated for that time. Not any more money, not any less money. They need to be compensated a reasonable figure for what they would have made in that time frame or what their expenses would have been and still are in that time frame, but they have no way to offset those expenses because there's no revenue coming in. Many businesses don't make money for the first year or two or three, but they certainly need money coming in to offset those expenses that they incur, especially if they're ex incurring those expenses and you've eliminated their ability to bring in any revenue. Yeah, that's probably the second or third time and the second or third way I've said it, but that's how powerful that point is. This health crisis will pass. At some point, this too shall pass. Every life lost needs to be honored, respected, and grieved in whatever way those loved ones left behind see fit. It's up to them. Life is precious and lives have been lost as a result of the virus itself. But they've also been lost as a result of actions that have been taken or not taken because of it. And those lives lost are just as precious. Now there's another aspect or another danger related to this crisis that cannot be stressed enough. If we are not able to work together to eliminate the collateral damage that's piling up on a daily basis, the economic fallout, 
the financial, social, and psychological hardships falling upon tens of millions of Americans. Tens of millions of Americans. I mean, this, the numbers are staggering, and we actually don't even know what, what they really are. But I do know this. The eventual price paid by all of us because of that collateral damage will far exceed anything we've ever imagined. Now there's time. There's not a lot of time, but there's enough time. Enough time for calmer, cooler heads to prevail. Time for us to put our differences aside and work for a common purpose. Imagine that, a common purpose and a common goal. There's time to honor those we've lost. And there's time to proceed in as safe and responsible a way as possible. That's what I mean by walking and chewing gum at the same time. We can multitask. How many of us talk about our ability to multitask or the need to multitask in this country today? We need to do that now more than ever. And it's time, beyond time, but it is time to throw a financial lifeline to the business owners and employees about to go under from the crushing weight of the financial pressures they're under right now. It is crushing, it is real. We don't need models to know or see that. We've seen enough examples. We have time to see, and this is a big one, we have time to see if we can unite and turn this ultimate setback into the ultimate comeback. Yeah, we have time, but the clock, it's ticking. And it's gonna keep on ticking until we take action to at least account for, handle, and do some of the things that I've laid out already. Now, on a totally different note, I'm going to switch gears a little bit, and I'd like to address a couple of the questions that uh, that I've received from, from listeners uh, since the last episode of Bill Talk. And I said earlier that I was going to introduce this, so why wait? Let me introduce it right now because I've received a couple of really good questions. And I think it'll also help show the variety of topics and issues that we're going to end up covering uh, on this show. It'll be everything from uh, current events and news to sports, entertainment, uh, business topics, you name it, over time, we're going to be talking about it. So, Here's the first question that I received. Bill, now that you've had some time to reflect, do you still feel that using a second-round pick to draft Jalen Hurts was a mistake by the Eagles? Yes, I do. And um, no matter how it's been spun or how often it's been spun, in my opinion, it's a mistake. And it's a mistake on multiple levels. I've laid some of them out before. I'll just... List a couple of them again right now. Clearly, there were a lot of holes on this team at the time that the Eagles came up for that second-round pick, which was the 53rd pick in the draft. And there were still a lot of players left who many experts considered were first-round talent who had slipped down to that point. So whether you want to say another receiver or a cornerback or a safety or an edge rusher, or adding depth to the offensive line, or, imagine this, a linebacker. Yeah, there were a lot of other holes that needed to be filled. 
And of course, I, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but how good would Andy Dalton look right now as a backup for Carson Wentz? Or even a Joe Flacco, who's actually still available out there for Carson Wentz. I think a better use of that pick would have been to take the stance that you're going to take the best player available to fill one of the needs that are evident at this point to anyone who's followed the team closely or even not that closely for the last couple of years. Or the other approach could have been, let's surround our franchise quarterback with as much talent and as many weapons as we can to give him the best possible opportunity to bring another Lombardi trophy back to Philadelphia. So, yes, I still believe it was a mistake. Sorry, Howie. Sorry, Doug. Sorry, Eagles. I still love you, but I'm not loving that pick. And I think it's a shame, too, on a, on a, uh, from another perspective, and that's Jalen Hurts, by all accounts, seems like a, a great young man, and I wish him nothing but the best in the future. Uh, I, just, I just wished it for uh, his sake and for everyone's sake, he'd be uh, putting on another uniform, and, and I'd be cheering for him unless he was playing the Eagles. <laughs> Okay, let's take things in a little bit of a different direction here. Here's the next question. You previously touched on what you called a skill versus will issue in the workplace. Can you talk about that in a little more detail? Okay, that I can do. And uh, one of the things that I witnessed over many years um, in various corporate leadership positions was when things weren't going the way we wanted in an organization or on a team, in a unit, in a department, whatever the case may be, a lot of times the initial or immediate assumption would be we need more training. Oh, they clearly just don't know how to do this job or we just rolled out a new process. Um, we gave a new talk path or, or a new uh, process on how to handle an incoming call or how to process whatever it was or how to make the widgets that we were making, whatever it is. A lot of times, these skill versus will issues surfaced after a change was implemented or on the cusp of a change being implemented. And what I found was that, for the most part, it was more of a will issue than a skill issue. And it wasn't really the fact that there wasn't enough training, although there are some experts that say that for adult learners, you have to hear or see or experience something somewhere between six and eight times before it finally sinks in. And there's, you know, credence to that. Absolutely. And you can't just watch a video on how to perform a new job function. You actually have to do it. And in some cases, you may have to do it 10, 20, 50 times before you become comfortable and adept at doing it. So the bottom line is, I don't see or I haven't seen it as a training issue as much as a will issue. And I'll share one quick example. Years ago, I helped uh, launch some call centers. And there was a uh, call quality program that was in place. And one of the things that was measured was how people answered the phone. And there was a script. There was a talk path that was supposed to be followed. You were graded on it. And one of the things that you were supposed to say was, how may I help you? After giving your name, citing the company name, how may I help you? And what we learned was, and this was some time ago, people were not comfortable with saying, how may I help you? They would say, can I help you? Or what can I do to help? Or something along those lines. But if you technically adhered to the script, which was supposed to happen, they were not saying, how may I help you? So it took 
quite a few meetings and a lot of back and forth to come up with a compromise, if you will, because it had become clear that a majority of folks were simply not going to say that. That's and I remember hearing that, oh, that's a phrase that went out a long time ago. That's not how people talk anymore. And I don't agree with that, but ultimately something had to be done. And it wasn't a, you know, a skill issue because the wording was right there. And you knew what needed to be said. And it wasn't like it was a complicated formula or a complicated multi-step process. It was, how may I help you? And there were people who had virtual 100-point scores other than that. Had they just said, how may I help you? They would have gotten 100 on the calls that were monitored. So in those particular situations, those were the ones I focused on because there were also some folks that, whew, that was probably the least of their worries because they did have some legitimate skill issues on some other things. But the bottom line is, if something's not being done that you feel needs to be done, if you're the manager, the leader, the owner of a, of a company, of a store, of a department, of a unit, whatever it is, you really need to get in there and roll up your sleeves and ask some questions. Observe what's going on and you'll be able to tell. And you need to ask, so we're seeing that this new process is not being implemented to the degree or to the percentage that we projected it could or should be. What do you think are the reasons why it's not working? And you may be surprised with, with what you hear. And a lot of times a simple tweak or a simple change makes everybody happy. And then the end result may actually even far surpass what you were hoping to get with the change when it was originally implemented. So I hope that helps uh, answer that question, the skill versus will. It's one that applies not just in the business or corporate world, but it applies in sports. There's players that take plays off. It's not because they don't have the skill. They just don't have the will to play every down. And that's why when you see players out there to give their all on every play, especially in the Philadelphia area, you have kind of a special affection for those guys because um, it's, that's not everybody. So when they have that will and they have the skill, that's that's keeper right there. So in all walks of life. So again, I hope that uh, that, that answered that question. And I, I, pre- I really do appreciate uh, the feedback and the questions and the suggestions. So one last time, if you've got a topic you'd like me to cover in a future episode, if you have a question you'd like me to answer, please send that topic or that question to my email. That is billtalk99 at gmail.com. That's B-I-L-L-T-A-L-K, billtalk99 at gmail.com. And I'll get back to you as soon as I can and implement it, integrate it into a future episode, that comment, or I should say that topic or that question. So thanks again, everyone, for listening. Until the next time. 